Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, thanks for joining us. I'm honored today to speak to the Reverend Munther Isaac. He's senior pastor at the Evangelical Lutheran Christmas Church of Bethlehem. Now, he delivered an incredibly powerful Christmas sermon in which he damned Western complicity in Israel's ongoing mass slaughter in Gaza. Before we speak to him, let's hear an excerpt from that sermon. If you are not appalled by what is happening in Gaza, if you are not shaken to your core, there is something wrong with your humanity. And if we as Christians are not outraged by the genocide, by the weaponization of the Bible to justify it, there is something wrong with our Christian witness and we are compromising the credibility of our gospel message. If you fail to call this a genocide, it is on you. It is a sin and a darkness you willingly embrace. Some have not even called for a ceasefire. I'm talking about churches. I feel sorry for you. We will be okay. Despite the immense blow we have endured, we the Palestinians will recover. We will rise. We will stand up again from the midst of destruction as we have always done as Palestinians. Although this is by far maybe the biggest blow we have received in a long time but we will be okay. But for those who are complicit, I feel sorry for you. Will you ever recover from this? Your charity and your words of shock after the genocide won't make a difference. Very powerful stuff. Now, I began by asking him about that theme of Western complicity, not just those who actively support Israel's onslaught, but those who refuse to speak out. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, this is something we've been talking about uh, as Palestinians, but certainly as Palestinian Christians for a while now. But I think the war on Gaza brought everything in an intensive way uh, together. Uh, we engage a lot with uh, not just church leaders, but diplomats and politicians. And we hear the rhetoric from Western leaders uh, who uh, uh, you know, have been for years uh, not just supporting Israel, but supporting the Zionist narrative. Uh, we see how in this war, everyone frames this conflict as if it started in October 7th, um, ignoring the context, uh, and then continuing to um, uh, not just be silent about what's happening um, in, in Gaza, but silent about the constant dehumanization of the Palestinians. Uh, the way we were described by uh, Israeli politicians and military leaders. Um, and the way they continue to use phrases like human shields, you know? So uh, if it takes, as I said, uh, destroying a school and killing everyone in it just to get one Hamas militant, it's okay because we're not, they don't see us as, as equal humans. So this language that Israel is doing self-defense, it's a war on Hamas and then Palestinians are casualties. And especially when you compare it with the reaction when, uh, for example, Russia bombs uh, Ukraine and, and we're appalled. I mean, 
you're very concerned about the killing of civilians in Ukraine, but what about us? And there, it seems the narrative is there. Uh, and, and, you know, this is not just what happened in the first week after October 7th. Uh, you know, everyone was horrified. We were all horrified. No one should approve the killing of children or families. Or, But then you see how the world leaders lined up one after the other to make sure Israel not only has the weapons and that they will pay the bill, but that they will have the cover, that they will have the political cover. Uh, and in some instances, now churches have given the theological cover, something we've been talking about as Christians. And then uh, now that the death toll has increased, we're beginning to see, you know, the stance a little bit uh, get softer. And they're saying, we're concerned. Uh, Israel should respect uh, the parameters of, of wars. And I say, now you say, after you've told Israel, basically it's okay to go on and do what you're doing. Um, Israel has been clear about their intentions. They told us what they were going to do. They told us they were going to empty Gaza. Uh, and now you're concerned? Now you say, oh, this is appalling. And mark my word, when, when this genocide is finally over and the international community has access to Gaza and we begin uncovering not just the dead bodies uh, from under the rubble or in the streets. And right now we're seeing horrifying images of dead bodies everywhere in the streets. But then the amount of massive destruction that took place to the extent that Gaza is no longer inhabitable. Uh, mark my word, people will say this is shocking, this is horrifying, and, and so on. It's like, and, and this is what I don't get, you know? And I don't think we should allow them to get away with this. Uh, especially when they will come with their money of relief and so on, uh, or even worse, if they're going to be okay with funding uh, the displacement of the, the Palestinians of Gaza. And we're beginning to hear this. So the plan is unfolding in front of our eyes. Everybody is seeing it. We've seen it coming. Uh, and now, uh, uh, you know, next people will feel uh, the 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 moral obligation to support these refugees and help resettle them. And Israel gets away with ethnic cleansing uh, and the Western world gets away with looking as the nice people who helped resettle the Palestinians. I, I can't, you know, why doesn't the world see it? I'm just interested in that, that point you made about intent being so, so overtly spoken. It's not, it's not actually subtle. Um, and this is still framed as, uh, you know, Israel versus Hamas. But then, I mean, I say this to you as a theologian, um, you know, when Benjamin Netanyahu quoted approvingly the the, uh, the, the uh, Amalek in the Bible and the Amalek nation attacked the Israelites and he says, remember what Amalek did to us and in that God commands the Israelites to kill all men, women, children and, and, and livestock. Um, ethnic cleansing, two ministers now have come out and called for the ethnic cleansing of Gaza, the Palestinian people and resettlement. But that's not how it's framed, is it? I mean, I just wonder from your perspective, you're obviously in the West Bank, but Bethlehem, but as a Palestinian, you're seeing this frame still as a war between Israel and cramping down on cramping down on Hamas. But that's not how the West is framing it, even though the intent is spoken very clearly. Yeah, I think th this shows the importance of, of narrative and how uh, everything is framed. Uh, the colonization of our land was framed as Jews returning to their homeland. Just think of that logic that is very common in churches today. Uh, a logic that gives a Jewish person born in Russia or uh, Ukraine uh, more entitlement to the land 
than the Palestinian, the indigenous Palestinians who've been living here for generations. And this rhetoric is translated into action because we're denied our rights on a daily basis. We're being forcibly displaced from our land. Even in the West Bank, people are leaving and are forced to leave for several uh, you know, uh, reasons. And sometimes they can't even come back to their land. Uh, but any Jewish person can resettle. And the world seems okay with this. And again, it's part of the, the, the framing of, of, of the conversation. Jews coming back to their homeland. And it goes back, you know, a, a land without people. Uh, how common that phrase was. And uh, the land had people, of course. They knew that the land had people, but it's okay. These people go to Egypt, go to, to Jordan. And that continues to be a phrase today, denying us of our identity, of our rootedness in the land, uh, while framing it as if a Jewish person anywhere in the world has more rights and is, is entitled to the land. Sad the theology has played a part of it. We've been challenging what we've called the theology of empire for, for years now as, as Palestinian Christians. Uh, and even today, you know, many progressive Christians would say this is a just war. You know, uh, Israel has the right to defend itself. Uh, and just that language, and it's a very common language in this war, um, I noticed this, the, the, the power of that language because it turns the colonizer into the victim. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And the colonizers into the aggressors. And I've been saying it. Have we forgotten that uh, the state of Israel was built on the ruins of the towns and villages of the very same Gazans that uh, are now being pushed out uh, again? So that language ignores the entire context, ignores the reality on the ground that uh, Israel has been suffocating those Gaza in an inhuman siege for 16 years, where even the amount of calories were calculated, what amount of calories uh, should enter Gaza during these uh, 16 years. But by insisting and repeating that Israel has the right to defend itself, the whole narrative is completely reversed, and now we are the aggressors, not the other way around. I was just wondering as well, your, your, your thoughts on South Africa's submission to the International Court of Justice, and this is accusing Israel of, of genocide. I mean, I've read through the document. I don't know if you, you, you've looked at it. It's, it's an extremely detailed, um, lengthy document. And I just wondered your thoughts on that, because obviously, you know, Western, you get occasionally hand-wringing from Western leaders who arm and back Israel as they continue to do so. Um, you know, Joe Biden will say it's indiscriminate, which actually is confessing to a war crime because indiscriminate bombing is a war crime. But then that's walked back by a spokesperson. So I'm just wondering, I mean, what, what do you have hopes about that submission in terms of how it can actually put Israel under pressure on the question of genocide? Yeah, so, uh, but, but first I think it's important to uh, acknowledge the uh, connectedness with the South African context, because even the... Uh, those working against anti-apartheid were called terrorists and who supported the apartheid regime. And there were churches that even provided the theology for the apartheid regime. Uh, South African church leaders who've been coming to visit us in, in Bethlehem for years have been calling this an apartheid regime. 
in fact, they would tell us this is worse than apartheid. Yeah. Um, and they've been pleading with the world. And just as they were ignored when they were suffering from apartheid, the very same church leaders are now ignored by Western church leaders. And I think the same will happen with uh, uh, the South African government. That's why I think we can't get around this without mentioning racism here. It's part of the whole uh, equation. Um, but these moves are important because unless Israel is held accountable, they will go on doing with what they're doing. I mean, uh, when I used to explain the situation on the ground for visiting church leaders, and most of them would say, we didn't know. And then how, how does this happen? And I say, Israel gets away with it because they can. You know, no one holds them accountable. They do it because they can. Um, and not just they are never held accountable, they don't have to pay for it. Occupation is profitable. And now with this war, they're not paying for it. Um, so unless they are held accountable, and unless the world shows that they are serious about the international law, uh, then I don't know what good is it to have such bodies that uh, set laws and hold people uh, accountable. Uh, we've seen how Israel continues to get away using the American veto power, uh, but we can't get them away now with obvious war crimes that the whole world is witnessing. I mean, the people of Gaza are broadcasting their own execution, their own genocide, and the world is watching, and we're still debating the terminologies and so on. Uh, I hope there is a serious efforts from not just uh, South Africa, we're grateful, but for others, because unless they are held accountable, uh, they will continue to do it because they can. Just finally, you're a Christian. Most of the countries which back and arm Israel are dominated by Christianity and by leaders who call themselves Christian. And even if they're people of those countries aren't Christian, they're culturally very informed by Christianity in lots of ways. What would your plea be to those in the West who either still buy into the idea that this is Israel defending itself or don't feel able to speak out, feel scared to speak out, maybe accused of, you know, smeared attack, that kind of thing. What would your kind of your plea to them be based on how history will judge all of us, I suppose? Yeah, um, I'll be very clear, because I, I think that the magnitude of the killing, the genocide that is taking place right now demands what I'm going to say. Uh, history will hold them accountable. This is not. This is the time to act. This is the time to speak. History will hold you accountable, and history will ask, where were you when uh, this was happening in Gaza? Um, when children were killed, uh, on such an unprecedented level that we've seen in recent history. Where were you? And if the answer is, we were praying for peace, uh, this is the kind of uh, soft spirituality that I've been challenging and many of us have been challenging because it gives the cover that we're peaceful, we're good people. We pray for both sides equally. And I think true peacemaking uh, demands that we take sides, uh, demands that we speak truth uh, to power and call things by their name. Uh, this is the time to act and to speak and to put pressure. And this is the time to uh, act by our moral and ethical standards as, as Christians who are demanded to speak justice, to defend the oppressed, um, and to be thirsty even. You know, Jesus said, blessed are those who are thirsty, hungry for, uh, for righteousness. Mm -hmm. Right now, the situation in Gaza is beyond 
what it was. It's 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 literally hell on earth. And I think as many people will continue to ask where was God, me as a pastor, I will continue to ask where was the church. That's a very powerful, I think, expression of moral leadership from you, Mantha. And I really, really appreciate it. It's a very difficult time. It's very difficult for you. I know the pressure you must be under at the moment is incredible. But I think your voice is so, so important right now. So I was really delighted for you to join us. For those watching, do share this video and like and subscribe. But Mantha, honestly, that was a real honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period.